You're listening to PZ's Podcast, a guided tour of ancient truths and absurd tales for the modern pilgrim. PZ is space cruising at low altitudes most days through a galaxy of phantom planets of the mind, ever in search of an answer to his wound. Is he a space Parsifal bleeding under his suit but hopeful for journey's end? Buckle up and join him now as he blasts by Mars and Venus, rounding Luna in sure and certain hope of our childhood's end. You can reach PZ while he is on this quest at pzspodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's PZ. Podcast 106 is entitled, I Feel Like I Lose When I Win, which is a reversal of the great Ava line, I Feel Like I Win When I Lose, from Waterloo. Here, the thought is, I Feel Like I Lose When I Win. But the original title for the cast, the first batch of test recordings, the original title is Schragmüller, and that's a reference to <clears throat> Elspeth Schragmüller, a German intelligence officer during the First World War who is known in what people today loosely call urban legend, which is not the right term, but she is known in the... Um, lore of espionage and counter-espionage as Fräulein Doktor. And I'm going to talk a little bit about not the historical person, Elspeth Schragmüller, a.k.a. Fräulein Müller, or as they say, I love it, and they say in English, Fräulein, Fräulein. It's actually Fräulein Schragmüller. I'm not going to actually talk about her. I'm going to talk about what her story, as it's portrayed in a wonderful movie says about the character of the ego by which even when we win we feel like we lose now I'm not going to overwhelm you with a lot of sort of <clears throat> stuff that you don't need to know and may be completely uninterested in regarding this remarkable movie but enough has to be stated so you all hear that its history itself is a very picture of the um theme with which the movie, and in particular the music, a section of which I'll play at the end, is emblematic. Now, the movie was made in 1968. I have it right here. I have two video copies. There are no DVD copies. Two video copies, one of which has to sound due to a mistake. But this is uh, this movie, yes, it's 1968, and I recorded it in the uh, 1980s off the USA channel, which at that time was also having Miami Vice reruns and also having the Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense. At that time it was called Fox mystery theater uh, but uh, a little bit on that at the end of the cast but this is a wonderful uh, VHS and you can hear it 
um, was preserved. And the movie, which was high budget, produced by Dino Laurentius, and an extremely expensive movie to make, and very ambitious, large movie, was um, not well received at the box office for reasons I don't understand because it has everything in it that you would have thought a movie, popular movie would have. And it is just now beginning to get a little recognition. And it was simply out of commission except in the dubbed version because it is, in fact, an Italian-Yugoslavian co-production. And um, when I saw it, people always say in these things, you know, I saw this movie at the Capitol Theater in Phoenix, you know, whatever it is. Um, But it was overwhelmingly impressive because it had all the toys that a movie has. It has um, wonderful underwater model photography with submarines and mines. It's sort of like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, but much better done, but still obviously toys and models and scenes of, of military ships on the high seas that are clearly filmed in a tank, but extremely well done if you're going to film it in a tank. And uh, large battle scenes, which are really very spectacular. And to me, have a feeling of um, they have a feeling of D.W. Griffith, actually. They're that good. You'll see them and you'll know. Now, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, because today nothing is uh, rare, you know, we, we always say well, this movie is not, no one can see this movie, and how can you see this movie? Well, in fact, because of the miracle of YouTube, um, you can listen to almost any unknown Joe Meek single you've been looking for for 25 years because of the tea chest embargo, and suddenly, boop, somebody has it, and it's up in an excellently recorded version on digitally on uh, YouTube, and you can listen to supposedly rare items in the disco world, in any kind of world. There is nothing rare anymore because all it takes is one collector to put it up on YouTube to upload it, and you have it forever for the whole millions and millions of people. Now, this particular film, spelled Fraulein Doctor with a K, is um, actually now available in two different versions, both of which are identical, on YouTube, all one hour and 40 minutes of it. I think it's that long. It's a long movie. And um, it it is... um, able to be seen uh, and you could just with a click of a bick and there you have the whole movie and you can see it in your full screen and no no breaks you know it's like Netflix streaming it's a piece of cake so you can see it I don't recommend it because it has something in it to probably offend almost everyone but it's really good let me sing its praises but let me say how it is this kind of tinker toy movie which is spectacular extremely well acted beautifully orchestrated and with music by Morricone which I will play at the end and note by the way that in the segment and it's the only segment that I can find, and I really have tried to find it with every tool in my trade, which isn't much, but I have tried, and the segment that I'm playing you, while it's the right thing, is a shortened version of a theme which is much, much longer uh, in the original uh, soundtrack, especially at the end when it has about a three-minute extension, whereas you're just going to hear one minute of it, but it's the original thing, and uh, you have to listen for about a minute to kind of a harpsichord stylings in order to get the full thing. Now, the movie tells the story of Elspeth Schragmiller, although you never hear her name, the woman who is known as the spy Fraulein, Fraulein Doctor and uh, a successful agent and no one knows what she did uh, the word on the espionage street was for many years legendarily that um, Fraulein Doctor had uh, been the one who discovered the um, departure time of the HMS Hampshire, the ship on which Lord Kitchener was torpedoed or at least uh, met um, bombs and, uh, you know, um, mines in Scapa Flow and was uh, sunk and he was killed. And it was a terrible reversal for the British in the First World War and a victory for German in 
espionage. And secondly, uh, it was always believed, and it may be true, that she, it is she using her wiles, her brilliance. She was a PhD, I think, in poli-sci. She was an early uh, PhD from a major German university who was also a woman. And she was also, uh, she had all that it took to be a, a good, from Russia would love, counter-espionage agent. And she, um, she is supposed to have um, stolen or purloined the recipe for the most um, lethal form of poison gas that was later used with such terrible effect in Ypres and Amiens against the English. And uh, one other thing she's accused of doing. And none of this is sure. And she died in 1940. Uh, she was, this I think is true, a morphine addict. And it is known and it has been verified that she did receive the Iron Cross first class. So she was decorated for services to the fatherland uh, in World War One that were considered enormous. Now, what... Um, makes this movie so good is with all its, uh, as I said, its cinematic uh, melier tricks, which are fabulous, uh, concluding with a battle scene that has never been um, uh, never been bettered of these uh, horses, these the German cavalry with uh, lances in 1915 um, galloping up under the cover of poison gas and the horses all have gas masks and full um, gas protections covering their bodies so they look like really the tombs of the blind dead and oh it's really striking it's really amazing whenever I see it I think I just think a little bit of Serbia there's something about there's something just a little Transylvanian or there's something just a little heavy dark about the um, art direction of the battle scene but you can see it and you'll like it I hope um, it's striking but what the movie is about that's about you and me and this is my point sometimes I lose I feel like I lose when I win, rather, is that the movie portrays a woman who at every point of her greatest human success absolutely crashes emotionally. At every point, her highest success is accompanied by the most devastating loss to her own inner hopes, especially for love. A political victory or a military victory is a no to, to, to her love, to her, to her great need and aspiration not to be alone. A, uh, a victory is also um, a downer so that she has to take morphine. And in this case, she injects it into her body. She's a bona fide drug addict. A mammoth victory for the side um, is an emotional um, meltdown. And Susie Kendall, the actor, remember this stars uh, Nigel Green, and uh, who was in all the Fu Manchu movies. I love Nigel Green. And he was also in Countess Dracula, um, which is, he plays not altogether dissimilar role. And here he plays a German intelligence chief very well, typical Nigel Green, but really good. And I talked about Susie Kendall, who's the lead, and Kenneth Moore plays an English intelligence officer with a little bit of blusteriness, but he's good, he's effective. And... Um, Right down the line, I think you have uh, Giancarlo Giannini in his, one of his early roles before he became an international star. And finally, you have Capuchine, fresh from um, the uh, Pink Panther movies, and she plays a marvelous uh, lesbian um, scientist. So there is everything in this movie to uh, delight the soul with its special effects and its mammoth budget and its sunk. And the movie, as I said before, has never been seen until now. It can be seen by everybody in a five seconds. But what that says is that the very movie, which is about the death of the ego, is, is itself an example of a death of a death. The movie is... Um, 
a, we never made a dime, lost a tremendous amount of money, and then just tanked, supposedly, and nobody knew where it was, and it hasn't been seen except on, as I said, the USA net, net, Network with that guy who used to smoke a cigar and was dressed like Captain America. Was he called Captain Video or Captain Nightmare or Captain Night Flight or Captain something or other? Um, he was awful toast, but he used to host these things, and he also hosted the Fox Mystery Theater, which we, who loved it, knew of as the Hammer um, Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense. But um, the movie's uh, history is a very picture of the futility of all attempts to succeed, because it's not the only movie who's ever hit the skids, because it's really a deserving film. By the way, P.S., it has a completely... Um, uh, a, a, a Protestant uh, or a Lutheran um, uh, begrabung, uh, interment service with all the right words from the German Lutheran prayer book by an absolutely perfectly attired German Lutheran pastor. Uh, at one point in the film, there is a perfectly lettered um, German Lutheran service, and I was just delighted to see that. They, they did it right. He's properly attired. Those of you who care about the cultural implications of clergy vesture in movies, it's like in the Hammer Horror films where usually the vicar is properly attired because I'm convinced that some of the people who worked on the film had been to either English boarding schools or they knew a little bit about how clergy were dressed when they did uh, village funerals and don't anymore but used to and ought to. But um, just a footnote, watch for the funeral uh, in the name of Vater, Zonus, and Heiligengeistens. You all see it all. Now, um, to conclude the point, though, the movie is so striking and it drew so much on my own sort of associative mechanism recently when I saw it. I sensed in, I just sensed when I listened to the music and I was giving the last podcast number 105, I felt for sure that the movie uh, was in fact about this. And it is about someone who has all the success in the world, which is accompanied by, you know, the feelings, what do we say, post-coitum ist omnis triste? Um, that is a true thing. I was watching the Odessa file the other day, and um, obviously post coitum John Voigt and his uh, lover are in bed and smoking cigarettes, needless to say and um, it 's a moment right after and uh, he says something extremely heavy to her, and she says, "What a time to say that <laughs> you know what a time to say that well uh, it d- didn 't surprise me at all that he chose that time to bring up something appalling uh, because uh, it is simply uh, the same as poor Fräulein Doctor in the film Uh, every time I feel like I lose when I win now my uh, brief point to you here is that this is the essence of what um, is true about all ego success and I can't really say it enough Um, you may say well you know golly Paul if I accept this what in the world what the you know what is what is there for me to do who am I what am I to do people constantly say to me or often ask when they do and I was at an event the other day it's fascinating it's at an event a large social event of many many adult people roughly my age in a a nearby city and uh, there was a lot of things to ask a lot of people and I was there for about two an hour and talked to a lot of very nice people and uh 
found out a lot about a lot, of, but I just remembered I went out with Mary. You know, it's interesting. All those two hours, no one asked me a single question. Now, that's happened to you, hasn't it? I mean, you go, especially if you're pastoral. You know, if you're from a pastoral person, you inevitably find yourself <clears throat> sort of even habitually uh, interested in what the person is saying, and you sort of get into listening to them, and they love it, and they talk. And then you go at the end after a two-hour conversation, and you realize it was it was 100% one way. Well, you might have been the one who was doing the talking, and by the way, the shoes on both feet, but it just um, it just uh, struck me. Now, where was I going with that? The uh, point is that this um, remarkable film associatively hit me between the eyes because I realized that you know there's nothing there's nothing to win. You can't you can't you know well, yeah I know where it was. What are, what are you doing? You know, Paul. What do you do these days? Well, in fact, if you look back Hinsichtlich, in Hinsicht, you know, if I look back on what I've been doing a lot, but if I sort of try to put it out as a Rest a menu for the day. I was on a looking for a trying to make a reservation for a restaurant today, and they kept sending me the menu, and I PDF the menu, and it took forever. The whole computer got completely engrossed with printing out a long menu that I didn't want, and didn't need, and four times I had to wait while this darn PDF was printing, and I couldn't stop it. Ah! But I just clicked the wrong thing, trying to make just a little humble little reservation PDF. You know, how many times can I see the Waffle House or whatever it was? Um, well, um, what what are you doing? Well, uh, looking back, um, this is what I'm doing. Looking forward, nothing. I was thinking about Eckhart Tolle. You know, whatever you think of Eckhart Tolle, his story of his sort of conversion uh, in a on a bench in Russell Square or someplace like that in England at a language school, whatever the truth is about that, it rings true. His story about his conversion, you know, he, he, his, he'd actually died, the self, the ego of this man. And I, it rings absolutely true, the story. It's a powerful story. He writes so well. Um, everything died. He, something inside, actually something outside him died. And he, he suddenly looked and everything went great. And all of a sudden he was buoyant and he had all sorts of things to do and all sorts of love to give and all sorts of hopes and all sorts of friendships and everything changed. Well, no one needs to tell you what to do when you do nothing because if you're doing nothing from the standpoint of poor Susie Kendall who's discovered the totally deceptive um, claims that the ego makes about its own satisfaction its own reactions it's going to have when, you know, it can tick off the thing won or done. And it's never true. Uh, Post-coitum is omnis triste. And, and you, Christmas morning, you know, as a child, you got everything. And then, you mean there's nothing more? I didn't, what? You know, or you put your thumb in the mouth. I threw a fit one Christmas. Me, a 40-year-old man, a 35-year-old man with, you know, little children, you know, there. And I didn't get what I wanted. And I threw a fit. You know, talk about regression. Horrible. I'm ashamed to think of that moment. Just ashamed. But maybe you've done that too. You know, what about me? Well, um, that's the point. You, You get what you want and it's, completely unsatisfactory and is futile and you say is that all there is what's it all about Alfie all those things Alfie gets a lot of it you know if you've seen the one with Michael Caine he gets a lot of it and Hal David caught that what's it all about Alfie you know he moralized a little bit in that remarkable song but the truth is Alfie got what he wanted and he had nothing well it's the same with you and I may just gingerly quickly mention the fact that the other little bit on my videotape from USA Today Night Flight in the 80s is from the Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense, a.k.a. Fox Mystery Theater, in a little episode called Checkmate, as in C-Z-E-C-H. And it's a little spy thriller, too, about a successful 
sort of Russian, I don't know what you might call it, a mole within a mole or a, a triple agent or something who ends up double-crossing the woman to whom he's married. I mean, he's privately married. He end, a woman is double-crossed, triple-crossed at such a deep level in this short little English-made video clip by Hammer Studios. It's excellent. It's an hour and 15 minutes, and it's really good. It's done as on a TV budget, but it's just devastating. And Susan George plays a woman whose ego is so completely undone when she realized she's been absolutely betrayed, not only by them, their government, not only by her government, but by her actual husband. And uh, she completely flips. She she has a total breakdown and is, um, well, um, she just flips. And what happens when the ego is really um, straightened out by the conjurer, you know, by fate, when the ego really gets its desserts or gets, uh, you know, gets a little unplanned slip on the banana peel and everybody else, you know, who me, Kimasabi? What do you mean we, Kimasabi? Is um, insanity. Madame Bovary, you know, Anna Karenina, suicide. Uh, it's insanity. Even King Lear, it's insanity. And uh, don't get to that point. Lose it before it's... You, you get into that point you, you, before you Anna Karenina the situation. Lose it before you have to get as far as Father Sergius does in his remarkable final spiritual transformation in Tolstoy's novella or long short story, Father Sergius. Lose it. Lay down your arms. Wasn't it Anne Winters? I forget. Who, who sang that? That wonderful singer uh, in the post-war era in Britain. Joe Meek produced it. Lay down your arms. Lay it down. Uh, you may say, well, if I actually stop if I don't actually defend this thing, if I actually stop all this ridiculous running around, um, what'll I do? You know, I'll fall apart. You know, like um, what, I, I was so interested. People, I was with somebody the other day, a, a retired woman, and she, she said, I said, well, what are you doing right now in your life? She said, well, I'm just trying to keep busy. I said, well, you know, I, I see that differently. I think it's a wonderful time to think about death. Now we have some time before it gets too late to really look at our lives and try to understand what's really valid and what's true and what's important and what's not. And, and really, you know, like our forebears did 200 years ago, 300 years ago, pray for death. You know, all those portraits that always had a skull. I mean, it was common in 16th, 17th, not 18th, but 16th and 17th cent portraiture, Protestant and Catholic, to have a skull next to you, even if it was your family. You and your children, you have a skull there to remind you of death. Well, she just, this woman bristled. I just tell her, oh, I, I try never. What are you talking about? That's, I don't like to hear that. She said, I never want to think about death. I don't, don't even talk to me. She bristled. It's interesting her, anyway, that's, isn't that interesting? Um, but uh, so many times I meet women who say, well, you know, if my husband didn't do this or that in his retirement, uh, he'd, he'd be at home. I think he'd fall apart. Well, you know, he should fall apart. It's time for him to fall apart because otherwise he'll have a stroke and it'll be too late and he won't know what happened. He'll have his, he'll have his second, you know, like my friend in Houghton Head, you know, spent all his time the first year in ministry in the coronary intensive care unit with recently retired men who, who just fell apart and they had heart attacks and died. I mean, it's just such a old, old story. Lay down your arms. Learn from Fräulein Doctor and Susie Kendall, who I think got the idea. She died, by the way, very young, in her early 50s. I think that's young. And um, poor Susan George in Checkmate, you know, it comes very quickly to her. And if only there'd been someone to interpret the thing. She wouldn't have ended up uh, 
devastated, truly devastated, and a little bit too late, so shattered that there's no hope for a new Jungian start or a new start. I use that word simply because of the recent movie, A Dangerous Method, where Jung is portrayed as the um, the um, pioneer of some new starts. Well, that's all I wanted to say. It's a short podcast today. I hope you'll listen to what I'm now going to play you. Call this music by Ennio Morricone, and you'll hear the longer version of it. Played, I think, three, possibly four times during the long movie. But the last one is the best. It's the longest and the most complete. Um, and you can't get it. I, I think there's a very limited edition CD of it. This costs a fortune. But you now, you know, tomorrow it'll be on YouTube, I, I feel certain. But it's really, call it, call it Requiem for a defeated ego. Call it, call it a man and a woman who wake up one day and they realize, you know, they've won. But I feel like I lose when I win to reverse Abba's brilliant statement. You wake up and you say, I feel like I lose when I win. And this beautiful music, if you can live with it for a minute while the, he plays around on his harpsichord, his uh, spinet, um, this music is a kind of requiem for the ego. And it's about time.